Welcome to the Korean American Parenting Podcast, where we share the idiosyncrasies, struggles, joys, and pains of being a Korean American parent, not just Korean or American, navigating the unique cross cultural challenges of parenthood. I'm Jerry. And I'm Jang. Join us each week as we chat with fellow parents and parenting experts about topics like academics, health, both physical and mental, and culture. And of course, how current events such as COVID has impacted all our lives in numerous ways. Our hope is that through these conversations, we'll grow together as confident Korean American parents raising confident Korean American children. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and follow us on Instagram at Korean American Parenting. And be sure to share this with a fellow parent if you find the show helpful. Thanks again for tuning in. And here now is this week's episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to Korean American Parenting. We are now in June and happy Pride Month to everybody who is celebrating and for so many of us who are continuing to learn about the different gender identities. We are going to be dedicating uh, a couple episodes this month, uh, not today's episode, but later this month to talking about those identities and what we can learn to be better allies and also resources so that if our children, our own children, or people in our families and our close circles uh, want to talk about their gender and questions around that, that we'd be able to help. Today, as we begin the new month, we just finished up May, which is, as we talked about, Asian Pacific American Heritage Month, as well as Mental Health Awareness Month. We wanted to talk to you a little bit about careers. And June is also a month known for graduation season. And so Putting it all together, I, I think, you know, we wanted to talk to you a little bit about different career paths and perhaps talking and processing about our own, particularly my own, where I've sort of gone off the beaten path many, many times and to share sort of for, for parents of older kids, perhaps and adult children, what that could mean for you to help become more understanding or to think about career and, and trajectory in a little bit of a different way. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. So thanks for joining us today. And Jake, how are you doing? How was May and what's new in your world? Well, May was busier, um, but now we're, I'm kind of uh, enjoying the slower pace of my life where my the highlights of my days are now like taking my daughter to birthday party and going out to outdoor lunch or going hiking. So it's been actually really kind of nice to chill out a little bit. <laughs> And, you know, the summer's coming and I, it's one of my favorites that season. So uh, I'm, I'm glad. How has it been for you, Jerry? Because I know you've been super busy in the past month. Uh, May was probably my busiest month ever. Not just as this chapter of my life as, as an entrepreneur, but just in general. So for folks who may or may not know, outside of podcasting and whatnot, I do corporate speaking, speaking at companies and at universities and and, and with other organizations, at least the past season has been focused on the Asian American experience and talking about what it means to be Asian American in the professional perspective. I, prior to all of this, was a consultant, worked for companies large and small. And part of the reason I decided to get into this work was based upon some of the negative experiences that I've had personally in the way that I was treated or the way that I was expected to behave. And a lot of these things that have to do primarily with the way we look and the way that we are born in, into our race and ethnicity that I don't think very many parents, at least from our parent generation, properly equipped to train us for. And so if you know the history of why I started the Asian Americans and Korean American parenting and 
just like media or, or overall company, it really is rooted in my desire to change the narrative for our children in terms of their at least career ambitions and career aspirations to show a wide variety of what they can or cannot do. And so we, we were super busy. I know a lot of my other friends who do speak at the corporate level were also super duper busy. And it was weird, to be honest with you, because we were busy specifically because of all the ugliness. There were a lot of companies who were all of a sudden, perhaps for the first time, interested in having Asian speakers. And I mean, I think the majority of it was just very well intentioned, but had had the ugliness of uh, the earlier part of 2021 not had happened, then I don't think I would have been as busy. But talking about Asian American history, our place, talking about things like the modern minority myth, looking into a lot of data. Uh, we talked about data the last couple of weeks, but looking at data that says not all Asians are educated. And why aren't why are they not educated? If you look at different ethnicities, their income levels, all these different things, you know. And I often joke uh, when I, when I do share to the audiences that my parents really don't know what the hell I do for a living or how <laughs> I make my money. Um, and I think it's largely true. I think now they sort of understand it, you know. But for a while, I don't think it was really within the realm of possibility for them to comprehend what it could mean having a career talking about being us and what does that even mean to be us well you know i think that's actually really um interesting point um talking about um all these graduations and all our kids kind of moving on to the next chapter of their lives whether it's going on to the high school or college or off the workforce i wanted to kind of talk about this with you jerry because well number one you have a very traditional korean parent <laughs> You know, your, your father was a physician, your mom was a stay-at-home mom. And from what I know about you, it sounds like they really expected uh, both you and your brother to be kind of a, taking on a traditional job <laughs> that was, I would say, you know, well-expected or well-respected by their measurement. And you did, like on the paper, when you do put your resume on, maybe there are definitely points where you hit that mark, <laughs> but you veered into this uh, unknown world. And I wanted to kind of like talk about this in a way that how did it come about? And of course, you know, you just mentioned about your parents not knowing what you're doing. What were their reaction to like your decisions in your lives where you have veered into these different unknown fields that they may not have known that there is such thing? I don't think we have enough time to cover all of it today. <laughs> uh, so yeah, my, my dad was a doctor or is a doctor. He was a doctor in Korea and came here and spent the first nine years here, uh, more or less training and going through examinations and going through externships and intern, you know, all that stuff. And so I, I do think that there was maybe not an expectation, but a desire for us to go into the same path. I, I will say, I think, particularly given the unique experience of my dad having to sort of become a doctor twice in his life, and not necessarily landing into something that others perceive to be as lucrative, I do think that there was a part of his desire deep in his heart that necessarily wasn't so much become a doctor, become a doctor. There was, you know, definitely encouragement. I think that deep down inside, they wanted and continue to want what is best for me. I actually don't think that they were, maybe even now, properly equipped or trained to know how to support their kids in non-traditional careers or whatever I wanted to do. 
Because I think your, your parents say a lot of the right things, right? Like, oh, we want what's best for you. Just do what makes you happy. But then it's also infused with like, go to grad school, you know, before I decided to go to grad school. Or just subtle shade and subtle mentions that I think a lot of people would resonate with of bringing up related people or other kids or other people in your peer group about what they're doing and all these different things. And you're just like, I don't really care about what they do. I want to be very laser focused on what I want to do. And, and I think the first chapter of my career, which was in sales and marketing, and I sold homes, I sold insurance, I sold, you know, mortgage and, and managed sales teams in that regard. I think I was even so I, at that point, I had decided by the time I got to college that I wasn't going to become a doctor or a lawyer or anything like that. I really chose business major out of a lack of what the shit, I don't know what else I want to do. And so might as well study business. But I think what I was still plagued by or pressured by subconsciously was to do something that was quote unquote respectable by this imaginary thing called society or other people, right? The, the, the invisible they. And so one, one thing that I remember my dad told me when I was in my 20s, which at the time really shaped the way that I wanted to view my career was do the things that your, your degree and your capabilities allow you to do. Don't do the things that other people can't do. So what I took that as was, you know, at the time I was, I was actually pretty good at what I was doing. You know, I was, I was selling real estate, working for developers, coming up with strategy and marketing and all that stuff. But that wasn't necessarily something that required a college degree or required me to be doing it, right? Or somebody with my resume. I went on to sell mortgages. I went on to sell insurance and became a sales manager and was really good at what I did. But I do think that there was this sort of, not regret, but sort of assume from my parents' side of you have this college education from USC and we did all these things for you. Like, why are you doing these things that don't require the education that you have? Which I think was their sort of way of telling me, like, do something more, quote unquote, legitimate or more traditional in a way, right? Mm. And I'll be honest, that's sort of the reason why I, I decided to go to graduate school. Because up until that point, I was still sort of a, a maverick in the way that I chose what I wanted to do. I, I, I still, I was still plagued by that, right? I don't, not to say it didn't help, but you know, when I met Kyungwon, she was a pharmacist. I think it also further sort of drove that point home of like, hey, you're about to marry somebody who, you know, has her doctorate, who, you know, has a very clear cut direction in her life in terms of her profession. Like, what are you doing? So I don't want to say that I, you know, I, I regret nothing about graduate school and all that stuff and that what I did after, which was as traditional as you can get from a corporate sense. But I think it took all of that to try everything I was quote unquote supposed to do to have all the good and the negative experiences that I had to finally almost now two years ago to say like, I, I can't, I can't do it. It doesn't, it doesn't bring me joy. It doesn't make me feel like I'm being me. And there was this need to do something that I wanted to do. So what my dad said, which was, right? Do the thing that you are allowed to, that you're capable of doing based on your education, your privilege, all that stuff. I tweaked it in my mind and I'm telling myself and other people something different now is do whatever the hell you want, but do it in the way that only you can based upon your education, privilege, and access. So, Wait, say it again. <laughs> So there's a difference between do what your degrees and your privileges allows you to do only because you have the ability to do that versus choose whatever makes you happy 
but do it in a way that only you can do it in your own way. Meaning, a dude with an MBA and a consulting background, you don't need an MBA and a consulting background to start a podcasting business or a speaking business, right? That's factually true. The way that I run my podcasting business and the way that I'm able to get clients because of my background and my education or my speaking business, nobody can mess with me on that. Nobody has my resume to do what I do because we know very few people go through business school and go through a traditional path and say, F it and go do something completely different. There's very few of us, right? Especially Asian American dudes. And so in this realm of storytelling, in this realm of being able to go up to companies and sell companies on me coming to speak for them, sometimes for sizable amounts of money, that's something only I am able to do because of my background, my access, my education, and what's on my resume and my experiences. And so for me, that fundamental switch was powerful because education is supposed to give you more opportunity, but we have trained our children and our society to have higher education limit their opportunities because, quote unquote, your stereotypical smart kid, your Harvard, your Stanford students are only expected to have a very, very few expected number of job titles, right? Now it's a little bit different with tech and entrepreneurship, but in the traditional sense, right? Like you don't expect by and large a Harvard person to go into nonprofit or to do something that is creatively driven because there's this fear, this FOMO of opportunity cost of why don't you do the thing that your degree allows you to do? And we don't really think about what well, does it align with your values, your heart, your passion, or your legacy. And so it took me 20 years to figure this out. I don't regret that it took that long because had I not gone through everything that I went through as ugly as some of those years were, I wouldn't have the same perspective as I do today, right? And for, for parents listening or for anybody who's listening that now looks at my resume and says like, oh, okay, like you went to USC, had a 10-year career in sales, yada, 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 right? Like business school consulting. I was fired five times in my life like straight up fired five times in my life. I've been on unemployment twice in my life. I am now objectively, and I'm not trying to gloat or whatever, I'm at a point where I am applauded and invited into rooms to speak on certain topics. I, I am objectively celebrated by certain groups of people for what I've achieved in life. Incredible story. Obviously, I know of your story, and I'm a beneficiary of your story. But, you know, one of the things that strikes me as somebody who actually worked with a teens and young adults, you know, you just said you were fired five times and you were on unemployment at some point in your life. And I guess my question is then, then how, how do you bounce back up and also not get down on yourself? Because I think there's, in order for you to be able to uh, repeat it and kind of still kind of go on, like you have to have some trust in yourself in your own abilities and yeah. what you do. I think that's something that is so important in, for me in working with teens and young adult population. Because I think a lot of times when the hardship comes, I see a lot of kids, well, I, I call them kids, but um, a lot of them, young person, feeling like this is the end, right? Like there's really no way to bounce back up. Obviously, as we're getting older, we know that there, there's always ways. But I think how do, as a young Jerry, how did 
you get through those times. I don't think I did healthily, to, to be honest with you, right? And, and this is where I think our culture, specifically our Korean culture, is a lot to blame. We are so obsessed with acceptance because of our general collectivist mindset that individualism, pursuing something for yourself, right? The, the difference between me and we and what's good for society, what's good for family, there's a lot of pressure to fit in. There's a lot of pressure to conform. And so, again, I think it's getting better. But at least when I was going through college, when you were going through college, I don't think it was that easy. I think there was pressure that was invisible, that was palpable, that we had to do one of a few things. We often celebrate creatives and the entrepreneurs once they have become something. You know, we often joke that parents don't really accept your success until you're featured in the Korean newspaper. <laughs> but it takes so much courage to make the leap in its early days. And I didn't, I, I didn't do it very well, right? I kept trying to fix it by trying another job, trying another industry. Maybe more money will help. Maybe a different job title will help. Part of the reason I went to grad school, maybe I thought, hey, if, if I can prove that I can go to a, a top-ranked business school and go into a top-ranked company, maybe not only will others see me differently, but I'll start to see myself differently. And, and nowhere in that process is, does this stuff make you happy? Right. And, and so the thing that I think helped me a lot, and I think what will help somebody else, I'll, I'll use a food analogy. Right. So, what, what is your favorite food in this moment right now? Sushi. Sushi. Okay. When was the very first time you had sushi in your life? Four. Four. Okay. So, okay. This is good without disclosing your age. So, for the maj overwhelming majority of your life, sushi has been your favorite food. I am laughing. Yes. Right. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> You had tried, although memory probably isn't very good pre four, you've had tried other foods. Since sushi until today, how many new foods do you think you have tried? Many. Many, countless, right? Mm -hmm. Can you definitively say with 100% confidence that sushi will be your favorite food the day you die? Most likely, because now I'm but, old. But not 100%. <laughs> no, right? not 100%. But no. that's the thing with life too, and the things that we choose to do and the things that we want to explore. I think we're so obsessed with permanence. We're so obsessed with, you know, choosing one thing and doing it for 50 years that we don't allow ourselves. I don't think our parents do a really good job encouraging us to try new stuff. I think you have a really good point. So now that I'm a parent, I, uh, and I'm, I, I, mind you, I am a person who do love stability and <laughs> consistency. But I, I see the point in letting our children explore. I can tell you it makes me super anxious, <laughs> right? But that's also, is it not sort of based on the, not just the way that you are personally, but the conditioning that we sub and unconsciously received, not only in our own, the way that we were parented, but the way we saw our siblings be parented and the way that we saw our friends get parented you know, part of the thing that I really don't like about the Korean culture in general is perhaps my viewpoint is a little bit old or uh, skewed, but like when there's something popular in media, it is expected that everybody know about it. Mm -hmm. When a song is popular, everybody is supposed to know about it. The emergence of underground music and culture is very recent phenomenon because of this woody mindset. Like 20 years ago on Sunday or, or on Mondays or Tuesdays, everybody referred to the GAC concert episode of that Sunday night. Everybody knew what songs were new. Everybody generally 
most people, even intergenerationally, was expected to know what was popular in culture. Well, I think it's cultural, but also part of it is, I think, as a parent, letting my kid explore new things and with a potential of literally falling, right? Uh, for Because mine's only four. Yeah. It's anxiety provoking, right? Oh, sure. And, and so as a parent, I, at the same time, I do know that my child needs to explore the world to be able to go out in the world and function the way that she would like herself. And it's okay to fall, right? I think that anxiety just continues. Yeah. When the kid is, you know, 14, 24, 34. Well, right? I, I get it. Because to us, to, to them, we're always going to be kids yes. to our parents. Regardless, I'm 38. That's still my baby boy, right? So I, I understand where that comes from. And, and again, I think they wanted at least, you know, because my parents had immigrated here with us or me with them, like it came from a very good place of wanting to protect me. And by saying this formula worked in Korea, therefore stick to the formula. And, you know, this all goes back to mental health, really, right? Like this all goes back to this notion that they didn't want us to try something and fail, right? They didn't want us to try something and be disappointed when they knew that you suffer enlightenment or passion. But if you follow this formula, at least there's status, education, and some money. And stability, right? Sure. And so my path, the amount of audacity I had to step away from what I could have made traditionally to do it when we had two kids, to do it when we had other obligations. Like, I don't recommend it for anybody. I really don't. It worked out for me. It worked out only because of the pandemic, to be honest with you. We had the financial runway, a longer financial runway to make this work because of the pandemic. But for me, I it felt like for 15 years, I had tried everything to be proud of the work that I did, to be able to look at my kids in the eye one day, to tell them that's why I have to leave home every day. And we hope that we do things to leave the world in a better place for our kids than the way we had found it. And for me, at least the career paths that I had chosen, primarily even post-business school, doing consulting to help multi-billion dollar corporations make a lot more money or to sell office space for a tech startup wasn't leaving the world in a better place. And so like mm -hmm. I had to struggle with that because from the outside, especially when I would catch up with people that I hadn't seen since business school, the logos that I represented and the job titles that I had were very envied. Like, oh my God, you work there. That's so cool. You must be so great, whatever. Yada, yada. And I was like, no, dude, I have to leave home every day. Every week I'm on the road. I think that's an awful way to live. I don't think I'm leaving the world in a better place. And I can't be proud of that. And I think people mask it with money and stability, which everybody's got a different situation. But at some point you have to consider and you have to let your children consider what 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 actual difference are they making in this world? I think what your what your story tells me as a parent and a psychiatrist is for a parent to be able to be supportive of their child, or let me just put it in personally, like if for me to be fully supportive of my child in her life. What you're telling me is not to uh, lump her into mass majority, but really see her, not look at her, see her. So, so learn about what makes her happy and what her strengths and weaknesses are and 
let her choose her individual way. Let her explore what her ways are so that she can do things the way that she only she can do in life. Yeah, I mean, and that's so hard, right? Because I think when we talk about what most people consider the golden rule in life, right? Uh, which, which comes from the Bible, right? Treat others as the way you want to be treated. And now people have evolved from that. And there's this thing called the platinum rule is no, treat them the way they want to be treated. Because for you to project your own treatment standards onto somebody else, that's also not right. This is the same thing with gifting, right? Like from the perspective of the giver, I want to give you something. Therefore, I think you'd be really happy with this thing. And so I'm going to give it to you. Well, is it not more important that you give the person something that they actually want, right? That's something that's, that's going to be useful for them, right? Like, I don't know, you, you got married, I got married, like, how much crap do we get during our, you know, when we get married and get gifts, and you're like, this is completely useless. I wish you just would have given me a gift card. Well, actually, we didn't. We we said no to them. No, I did. I said no too. No, <laughs> we, trust we me. asked for whiskey. No, I look. I I said no too, and then, but you know, Korean people show up with money. Non-Korean people show up with boxes of random stuff, and you're just like, no thanks. But you know what I mean, right? Like, so yeah, I, I no, think parenting's I totally the agree. same way, right? Like, it comes from a good place, and it is, as a parent myself too, it is frightening. I. Obviously, and I'm sure every generation goes through this, like I think I am building upon what my parents gave me and trying to not be better, but in a different, unique way, knowing what I know about the world. But I'm 99% sure that one day, either or both of my kids are going to look at me and go, Abba, you don't know what the hell you're talking about, bro. Like, you don't know how the world is now. Let me live my life. And perhaps it's I need to go through my own things to be reminded of that yet again. But I think that I want to put my kids in a position where they can do whatever they want without being in a survivalist mindset because of the sacrifices that I'm making for them today. As immigrants, as they'll be technically, well, they're technically second generation now, right? Like because of the things that their grandparents and their parents did for them, you should be able to pursue a variety of careers, not worrying about solely about money, right? Not purely worried about solely about status. I think because we've evolved so quickly as an immigrant generation and as a population, because the internet also expedited everything, like I think there's just collective confusion and lack of education on how to deal with this like tectonic shift in the way that we should see the world. Like you got a lot of rich people in our community who are educated and are wealthy, still thinking with an extreme survivalist mindset that they got to get theirs and they don't care about anybody else and they just got to grab, grab, grab and always thinking that it's not enough. And that bleeds into the way that they parent. And I think you raise your kids the way you want, but don't you make the sacrifices so that they can live a little bit life differently. We can't complain about the way that our parents raise us and do the same shit back to our kids. Right. Like, because there's a lot of unhappy, successful, educated people in the world. And maybe the money and the stability makes it okay. I, I don't know. I, I didn't choose that path. 
Well, I can tell you to the listeners that I've gone through the very <laughs> traditional way. I, I am a physician, but I am very happy with my choice of career. <laughs> um, uh, yes, did I feel pressured at times? Yes, but um, but I love what I do. And, um, you know, um, because of what I do, I am able to do what I enjoy doing, like podcasts or working with other families, um, working with Asian American families to you know, make family life a happier place. And that gives me a um, sense of uh, accomplishment. All the while, I can also provide well enough for my own family. So it's okay to go no, on. And, and I think my way. wife would say the same thing. You know, <laughs> my, my wife would say the same thing. And, and look, and, and this is why we want to talk to you about this stuff, right? There's no right one way to do it. And, and I think this giant pressure to live life one way or to deem one a failure if they don't go to one of three schools that you think are worthy. The pressures that we put on our children to succeed academically because you think the margin of error is so small is actually quite offensive to the 99.9% of the world who will never even have the opportunity to seek admission into those schools to get even looked at to work at these jobs, but still find extreme fulfillment in their lives and are doing so much goodness and kindness in the world. And if you look around you, the people that you work with, the people who own and work at the businesses where you spend your money, and even your neighbors, the people you might go to church or went to school with, if you have such a high standard of, if not X, Y, Z, then you're going to be disappointed, then for me, that's a really unfortunate way to view other people's humanity. because we're bigger than that. We're better than that. And so what I'm doing now, I'll be completely honest to, to not paint the picture that is purely rosy. I had an amazing May, right? I was busy every day. I got to work with some great companies, like companies like Pepsi and Johnson and Johnson, you know, HPE, like paid me to come speak at their companies, which is wild. I have no idea how I'm going to make money three months from now or three years from now, because I'm on my own path. What I do know and what I have ultimate faith in is that I will figure it out, that I believe in myself because for the first 10 years of my career, I was a salesperson. I was selling other things. For the first time in my life, I am selling myself. I am the product. I am the value. I know what I'm worth and I know what I can deliver. So I don't have a problem betting on myself for the first time in my life to say that I am the thing that is the value, but it took me freaking 15 years and all a whole lot of pain for me to get here. Right. And so that's the final lesson that I want to leave our parents with today. Let people play out their lives. Don't be so quick to judge. And I'll end on a book analogy. When you're reading chapter seven of a book, you have no idea how that book's going to end. And yet we obsess with treating our kids in high school and college in their early 20s to think that what they do then dictates the rest of their life. Is there a trajectory? Yes, but let them write out the rest of their books. Be open-minded. Look, we, we immigrated here almost 30 years ago. And if you told my immigrant Korean parents 29 years ago that your son is going to make a living talking about him being Korean in America, it wouldn't make any sense to them. I don't even know if it makes sense to them now, but they know that I'm happy. They see, you know, the external validation helps, right? 
I, I have yet to be featured in a Korean newspaper, nor nor do I want to be. But uh, being recognized is is really helping other people see the same value. And so perhaps most of our audience are tiny people. So maybe we're way over your heads. But I also know that the obsession for perfection, the obsession for excellence and for well-roundedness as parents like to think starts at an early age. We, I was subject to all sorts of activities, I think, as, we, <laughs> as many of us were. I, I have pictures of me doing like speech competitions in the first grade. I'm like, yo, what the hell, right? Like, but it wasn't for fun. It was just obsession over like, you know, being the best and having the most opportunity, which I'm grateful for. But let a kid chill. Let him just let him let the kids be kids. People turn out fine for the most part. And I think if you, for me, I had a lot of time just sort of having to unlearn what my own expectations of myself were based on what I thought my parents or what I thought society expected of me. Again, I'm not able to say any of this stuff if I didn't have the last 18 years of my life, 20 years of my life, work itself out the way it did. But I also wonder if I was encouraged, allowed, given my permission, even my own self-permission, to chase my dreams right out of college 20 years ago, 15 years ago. I don't know, right? Like I could be in a different place in life. And so can't change the past, but we can change the future. And if you're a parent, hell, if you're a parent and you're in your 30s, like me, like, and you want to try something new, do it. You have more years ahead of you than you have past. I think, you know, sunk costs is, is a stupid way to not pursue your dreams. All this stuff I built from scratch from age 36 onwards. So yeah, again, I, I, I have no idea where this is going to go in my life, but I get to write a book. I get to speak to people. I get to speak on podcasts. I get to be invited to speak at conferences. And really, it, it's given me an, the opportunity to take a random Thursday off like I did yesterday and take my wife and my daughter to go eat somewhere that we normally wouldn't. Because why, why do any of this if you're not going to take a random Thursday to go celebrate life? So anyway, I mean, yeah, not, not just for as a parent, but as yourself. Pursue what you, makes you happy. And especially if you have certain privilege or certain whatever it is that you can bank on, like take a chance on yourself. Yeah, no, I think that's actually a really good message for me and the generations to come holding our own anxiety about well ourselves, but also our children and actually believing in yourself and believing in your child, I think is what really matters. And you believe in yourself to be able to do this right? You have to have a, a leap of faith. And so that's the reminder for myself as well to not fret over little things. And I, I do it all the time too. So I'm, I'm not perfect. I mean, w one of these days, maybe we can get Kyungwa to come on the show and you can ask her all the things that I should be doing better <laughs> in life. But it, it is an evolution, right? And when you and I met almost, wow, a year ago, I was not in this place. I, I was in a grind mode. I, I still am in a grind mode, but I was in a different kind of, I need to prove this, that it works sort of, sort of mode. And so, you know, it, it's taken this long. And, and again, I have no idea where this is going to go in three months. Like I know what I'm going to be doing in three months. Like there's opportunities that are here, but really like, where, where's this all going? I, I have no idea, but I just know that with every new opportunity, it also begets new opportunity. And what I really want to talk to people about is just this notion of living their best authentic selves. 
And it really has to start with detaching yourself from the expectations of other people and detaching yourself from the expectations of your mom, especially when that's also been anchored to love, pride, everything. Probably one of the hardest things to do, especially in our culture. But you got to do it. I think that's actually um, uh, a work that I do with a lot of my patients, uh, a lot of Asian American patients detaching yourself from uh, your self-worth from so-called accomplishments and knowing that knowing that you're worth everything that you are whether you work whether you're a mom whether you don't um, bring in income um, you know all of these things and I think you are right it's a it's a really hard uh, work to be able to get there where you've you love yourself for who you are instead of like all the um, accessory things uh, that come with, from others. So my hope is that I try to instill that in my own child so that they don't have to spend so many years on learning what they yeah. have learned. That's one of my number one priority in raising my daughter. 100%. And, and I mean, um, well, one thing that I'm constantly reminded by is like, we're all trying to parent our kids to be happy and successful in 20, 30 years. And we have no idea what that world's going to look like. All the jobs that the kids want today didn't exist when you and I were in college. And so we have zero credibility in teaching them how to do anything, to be honest. Just like our parents didn't really know what world we would grow up in today. But you know what? We don't have credentials to be able to tell them what jobs will be out there. But we have credentials to be able to help them love themselves for who they are from the get-go so that they can prepare. 100%. Yeah. Don't obsess over job titles and career paths and, you know, I want my kid to be X, Y, Z, right? Like, I think we were supposed to have ended the episode five minutes ago, so I'm going to stop talking, but... <laughs> Obviously, I'm very passionate about this. I'm like, even the way that we, it's cute and it's funny, but haha, but like, what do we do with our kids at Tor? We give them a bunch of career choices, right? It used to be, right? Money and string and other sort of like more symbolic gestures. And then one day, some dummy was like, why don't we put a stethoscope and a gavel and seeing if they're going to be a doctor or a lawyer? Like, why do we even, like, sure, we participated in it too, but like, we anchor what their life is supposed to mean even at that one year age. By a job description. But it's a tradition. But it wasn't. Okay, fine. Traditions now, but traditions have to start somewhere, right? Everything that we consider a lifelong forever tradition didn't exist the day before somebody decided to make it one. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious. Like, I, I think a lot of what we need to do is we can't, a lot of crappy things in the world exist because we've collectively said, but we've always done it that way. Or that's just the way it is in our culture and community. And so I'm not saying dump of all of our Koreanness because that's not feasible or, or likely, but we also have to consider some of the things that we do ourselves to even, you know, like, sure, we've spent all this time telling you, like, you know, be happy, choose happiness. And you're probably like, look at these guys. They, they went to all these schools. They worked at all these places. And right. I, I admit all that. And the, and the reason I am able to tell you all this is because I have that on my resume. That should make it a little bit more credible that after all this stuff, that none of that stuff made me happy. So celebrate it if your kid can get into these schools. Just don't make it the only thing that gives them their identity. That's all. Anyway, thanks for listening. If you made it to this far in this episode, thank you. 
we were we were intending on a shorter episode, but this is becoming a normal length episode. But 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 I think it actually uh, sets the table for what we want to talk about next week, which is more uncomfortable conversations that we don't have in our community, which is about gender identity and sexual orientation. Gender orientation. Many many of us were raised in uber conservative Christian households. We were taught very specifically what to think and what not to think about gender outside of binary. And so I, I am excited to, you know, learn more myself. It is something that I'm not so confident in talking about, to be frank. And so um excited to learn more academically and more about the ways that we can also be better educated, but also ways that we can be a better ally and then better parents through all this. So uh, thanks for listening, folks. Hope you're having a great week. And uh, we will see you next week. If you have a problem or if you have a different opinions on what I shared with you, you can reach out to me on Instagram through the show account at Korean American Parenting or at Jerry J. Wan on Instagram for me and at Jang Cho MD for her. We would love to talk to you. We would love to have this discussion with you. And we'd love to build community with you as we figure out collectively how the heck we're going to raise confident and happy children <laughs> in the next generation. Thanks, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Korean American Parenting Podcast. I want to thank our guest and for you for joining us today as we share our stories and our perspectives along our own Korean American parenting journeys. Follow us on Instagram and on Facebook at Korean American Parenting and be sure to check out our website, KoreanAmericanParenting.com to learn more about the podcast, about us, and about our community. Please take a moment to rate and review this episode if you are listening to us on Apple and share this episode and this podcast with a friend or two in your life who you think would benefit from listening to us. Thanks again so much for tuning in. We wish you all the health and happiness as we go along our parenting journeys together. And we'll see you next time on the Korean American Parenting Podcast. <laughs>